Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to Five Minutes or Less. And thank you all for coming and being here. I'm David Heller, the co-founder of Content Mint. Uh, this is Kim Bassett, also the co-founder of Content Mint. Um, we've invited you all here to this studio to share. We actually don't know what you're going to share. Um, and that's part of the fun. We're going to find out what everyone else has brought. There's only one requirement tonight, and that's that whatever you share, it's five minutes or less. I want to thank a few people. Sound engineer Will set up all the equipment. Uh, we'd like to thank Grace Hammerstein for producing the event and the food and all the stuff that she did to make this happen. Sorry. And we'd also like to thank Grace Hammerstein as well. And I would like to tell everyone that this event is being sponsored by Assemble Partners. Assemble Partners is a leading media services company located in New York City. Find out more at assemblepartners.com. I just want to share something with everyone. Um, I wanted to share, I didn't want to invite you all to share without sharing myself, but I didn't sort of have the time to do anything. So, but I was feeling very random. I was feeling like um, I wanted to take something from everyone, mix it up, and then see what it was. So I used, uh, I created a poem. I, it, in a, in a machine, it's never been seen before. It's in a Ziploc bag, and um, it's made up of words that not everyone here, but many of you sent me three words. And so I took those words, and I printed them out, and I cut them up in random order from a hat, and they're here, and they, I would call this a poem. So I'm gonna read it. Barney's gonna accompany me. I am. If he wants to, in the background. Okay, here's my poetic reading of this evening's group. I'll do musical accompaniment. And I'll do musical accompaniment of your reading. Okay. okay. Lackadaisical. Moist. Cheese. Juxtapose. Resonant woman. Act contemporaneous lore. Kindred contentious Morgan, kindred contentious Morgan. Onomatopoeia, phlegm, quandary, fuck, green, opal, sure. That's all I got. <laughs> that was good, we should do another one later. Um, that brings me up to our, our first sharer, person who's gonna share. Um, this uh, person is the one and only, the loved, the lovable, CB, Barney, Barn, Barney Barn Barn. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not ready, he's on his phone. Barney Miller. What's up, people? How's everybody doing tonight? I was get I was are we still recording? I was gonna do experimental poetry, but David beat me to it. So I'm I'm just gonna do a song. This is called uh, Stash Away. They say God don't make mistakes. Just look at all the beautiful mountains and the pretty lakes 
guess it's true It's up to you But he made one Yes, he made one Scream, oh Lord Don't break my heart What does your space and time Always have to tear us apart you do you and we'll pull through just give me one I just want one moment to stash away Yes, it's true It's up to you But you'll want one Yes, you'll want one They say, God Don't make mistakes It puts this beast of grief asleep in your soul But then it finally awakes When he Find that you You just want one You beg for one Give me one Moment to stash away I just want one Five minutes? No, you have two minutes left. Two minutes. minutes. Two minutes. Let's do the other one. Still going. Jonah, get Jonah up here. Come on. Can we get this other mic real quick? We semi rehearsed this half an hour ago. This song, I think, is, is apropos for a podcast with a company that's going to use algorithms to, uh, to, to get the word out there because it's, it's a song about how bad algorithms are. It's called The Algorithm of My Heart. This is going out live. This must have been what it was like in the 40s when they were doing like live TV, you know? Hello, and today from 19th Street. I don't wanna see that show. The one that all the people know. It's not that I don't like the way it go. But I don't wanna see that show. The one that tells me who I am It's not that I don't think it's got a flow But I don't want to see that show The rhythm of my heart I try to slow it down You don't have to waste your time 
announcements to make. Uh, thanks to Barney, uh, the name of this program is no longer five minutes or less, it's now four minutes or less. Everybody else is now four minutes we, because of, Barney ran over. I owe you all <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, from California's City of Angels, here he is. He's just flown in from California, Dick Wilkins. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's nice that it's going to be uh, uh, 300 seconds or less, because this is definitely going to be less. It's, uh, um, like Dick Cavett, Dick Clark, Dick Gensberg, Dick Vital, Dick Nixon, Dick Cheney, Dick Van Dyke, Dick Van Patten, Dick Sean, Dick Gregory, Dick Sargent, Dick York, um, Dick Morris, Dick Wolf, Dick Williams, that's me. Dick Wilkins, that's also me. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I, I came in from California, but I'm originally from uh, the, the New York area. I, uh, I grew up, uh, yeah, well, no, yeah, that's one of my favorite words is woo. <laughs> it wasn't in the poem. Um, but you know, they say there's uh, no place like home. 
except for maybe that apartment one floor up from you. <laughs> so I, um, if, if you, if you, if you want to get to where I grew up, you go to the tip of Staten Island and cross over to uh, Perth Amboy and set your canoe in the river and you paddle up the Raritan towards uh, Rutgers and halfway before you get there, you make uh, left, the first river to the left, the river to the south, called the South River. And um, Bon Jovi grew up on one side of the river and Joe Theismann and I grew up on the other side of the river. I, I think our toilets all flushed into the same river because it was, it, was, it was New Jersey. So um, might as well start at the beginning, was the void and everything was perfect and whole. And then there was light. Now, I, I heard there were some who thought it was good, but I thought it was gonna take forever to get back to normal because the conflict between the is and the isn't gave rise to energy, and energy gave rise to matter, and matter gave rise to life, and life gave rise to us, and we gave rise to whatever the fuck this is. So, <laughs> so um, I, haven't, uh, I haven't done a gig since uh, the last millennia. <laughs> that, that's, 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 that's true. I, I figured that uh, in six more months, I will be able to say that I have uh, lived through eight American decades. The 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the O's, the teens, and it will uh, soon be the 20s, un uh, un unless Trump kills us all. But uh, <laughs> So I, uh, the older you get, you, you realize you have gifts, and, and one of my uh, uh, superpowers is you will misunderstand me. I, 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 I will speak the truth, but I will speak it in such a way uh, that, for instance, when I say, I'm a time traveler, yeah, I, I just mean I'm old, <laughs> you know? And when I say, I made the bitch hot and wet, I, 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 I mean I spilled coffee on the dog. Uh, when I say, I like colored people, what I mean is I like people with tattoos. I say, my gift is you will misunderstand me. I, 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 I have a, a couple tattoos. I have one from 1969. I had a kid say, you want a tattoo? And I said, yeah. And he stabbed me with a pencil. So uh, 50 years later, I still have it. It, it looks like a, a little period. And then uh, I spent the 80s in a cult, and when I got out of the cult, I said, some wounds are never going to heal. So I got a tattoo of the uh, fifth wound of Christ uh, here on my side. I'm not gonna show it to you. I, you don't know me that well. But, but it, it, it looks like a, a, a vagina. Yeah. So uh, my, 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 my two tattoos are uh, a, a period, and, and, and a gash, because uh, when it comes to getting tattoos, uh, I'm a pussy. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Uh, our next guest, our next person, our next sharer, comes far from Williamsburg in Brooklyn which is in New York City, which is in New York State. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'd like to welcome Jenny Liu. So I'm going to share um, some sort of science fiction fantasy piece that I wrote in the last two weeks. Um, and it's called um, We Walk the Earth. Or it could also be called Maybe Five Minutes or Less. We don't know. <laughs> um, so, so the prologue. There was at first a muffled noise. We were under attack, but it was a long time coming. The change came over people gradually. You would notice it in neighbors who suddenly took on a new personality. You would gesture to them and they would stare blankly as though you were not there, as though you were part of the backdrop of destruction. They found a boy's body a week earlier behind the deli. At first they thought it was just leftover cold cuts, but then a few fingers fell from the trash bin and that charade was done with. The poor owners were arrested, but it was clear that they were all just as shocked as we were. Then the army came. The flags were raised, flags were lowered, and then we were all screaming, a collective scream over the second destruction of a civilization. Kinsey, when I think about the day I moved to New York, I felt like I was viewing a sequence of events outside of my body. I decided to leave my old life, and hours later, I was standing on the concrete curb outside of my sister Mila's small second floor walk-up apartment on the Lower East Side with two suitcases. I had hurriedly fled with the memory of walking in on my boyfriend of two years doing naked push-ups on my bed over Nadia, my supposed best friend. It was ages before they finally noticed me standing there, shaking with emotions I hadn't even yet begun to decipher. Sorry, Kenzie, James simply said, his handsome front face barely registering any remorse. He may have almost shrugged. Nadia hadn't bothered to say anything. I burned the sheets after they left and started packing up my life. Let's go in, Mila declared, already taking charge. She was effortlessly carrying my only possessions up the steep steps, her diminutive figure casting a long shadow behind her. I followed her inside the muskiness of the hallway, filling my nostrils, catching on my throat. We'll do some cleaning this weekend, she said. I'll get the lights. As the exposed bulb flickered on, Mila opened the bay windows in an exposed brick living room, leaning over the sill, her dark hair streaming out into the wintry air. Kinsey, you will love it here, she yelled, her voice drowned out by the blaring horns of passing traffic. We need to go out. We need to forget about your ex-boyfriend, James, and drink until the sunrise. I say, promise me you'll buy all my drinks because I'm broke. Let's get this over with. So they're walking along. <laughs> the crisp, dry air stung my face, blasting my lungs as I inhaled sharply. I'm thinking we can go to Castle Red, Mila headed south. It's just a few blocks. Castle Red was a bar I've only been to once before. It was a quirky place, actually housed in a former old church. Most people pass it thinking it's a legit, actual house of worship. And that it was indeed, the church of debauchery, with a secret entrance through the mausoleum in the backyard, among graves, some dating back to the 18th century. Through here, we gave our IDs to the bouncer dressed up in a super basic scream mask and pushed through the black curtain at the back of the mausoleum, entering the bar. Once inside, the ceiling soared about six stories into the air with stained glass saints and angels looking down at us. I swear one of those sheriffs winked at us. I grabbed my sister, pretending to look like I saw a ghost. Laughing, she swatted me away. Nice try, they'd probably give you the finger before they start winking. I'm headed to the bar, want anything? Bloody moon, please, I love the strange drinks they have. Coming up, Mila pushed through and disappeared into the crowd. I took a few minutes to pull out my phone, check the time, lazily scroll through the Facebook and Instagram updates. 
as I waited for my booze to arrive. With nothing too exciting happening, I looked up at the world around me. Several dark crevices were spaced out in between white columns, gleaming from the moonlight streaming through the skylight. People were scattered here and there, drunkenly thrashing against each other, somewhat in tune with the deafening beat coming from the sound system strung across the balcony. Sitting in one of the back, dark back, um, pushback areas, James, his face, pale in the moonlight, gleams at me from the darkness. It couldn't be. I headed to the column, absentmindedly pushing through a group of people laughing. Hey, they said in outrage as they shoved past them. Well, the club isn't a place for personal space, I mumbled to myself, keeping my head down. I looked up near the column where I saw him, away from the crowd, and there he was, his face pale in the moonlight. He, he was dressed in black slacks and a white button-down, uh, button open wide. He saw me, eyes fluttering open like an epileptic Cheshire cat. Kinsey? He staggered and fell, his shirt draping open. I saw a flash of a giant cut running up and down his chest and torso, twisting off in strange patterns. I screamed as loud as I could, but it was drowned out by the thumping music. I ran up to him, rolling his body over, face up, the cut bled haphazardly. I pressed my hands against the open wound, but it sped off in so many other cuts I couldn't hope to contain the flow. The pattern drew me in. Was it a message? Kinsey, I hear Mila call as she ran up behind me. What are you? The sound of glass crashing through the floor jerked me from my paralysis, and I quickly looked behind. Mila was staring at James, her eyes glazed over, her mouth frozen in an oh. I looked back to James, and I felt myself falling into a trance again. What is this? I looked away and, bun and buttoned his shirt, covering the deep cuts. The brain fog went away. Weird. Mila, I snapped my fingers in front of my sister. Mila shook her head as if she were roused from a dream. What was that? I asked urgently. Are you okay? Mila looked at me with wide eyes and whispered, they're coming. <laughs> Jenny Liu, thank you. Uh, let's see, where am I? Oh, we have a, someone coming from the great state of New Hampshire. But he's lived in New York for decades, I think. Many, many years in New York. Ladies and gentlemen, from Brooklyn? Del Perot. Hedda Gabler is funny. She is. In the translation I read on jury duty, the second Bush inauguration was playing in the background. In short, it was winter. Were my surroundings influencing my interpretation? Did I want Hedda to be funnier than she was? I had to find out. I recently reskimmed a portion of the text. It turns out Hedda is even more hilarious than I remembered. She's sarcastic, she's sly and cutting. She imitates her husband's intonations. She employs Scandinavian irony on a regular basis. She's one of the very first protagonists who is, quote, bored to death, unquote. But what of her surroundings? Was there something in her immediate vicinity that made her this way? Ibsen is somewhat detailed in his specifications regarding decor. He depicts a well-furnished drawing room with a folding door on the right, a glass door on the left, an oval table with chairs around it, a porcelain stove, a high-backed armchair, a footrest, two stools, a corner settee with round table, lamps, vases, a full sofa, and a piano. My personal view is Hedda couldn't move. 
with just a narrow track of well-worn carpet tread. That must have been oppressive for her. There's even an inner room decorated in the same way, not to mention the whatnot. Those who bump into things or bruise easily have trouble negotiating Ibsen. The author of Peer Gint, Ghosts, Rosmer's Home, John Gabriel Borkman, and When We Dead Awaken is rightly regarded as a pioneer of modern drama. We shouldn't neglect his similar con contributions to modern interior design. Someone should do their thesis on that, or at least write about it. If I were doing that, it would be called Furniture in Ibsen. Dale Perot, thank you, Dale. Uh, we now have, from formerly living on 96th Street, Jonah P. <laughs> I don't know where you're currently living. Right? <laughs> I'm gonna play a song for you guys. You don't wanna have to fight for anything at all You want it all right away And you don't wanna choose between doing nothing and risking something to lose Your brother's cards are always bleeding and your sister's got an attitude But they're the ones who will love you even when you're in a type of mood Jonah, that was great. Um, we have another Californian we'd like to present to you 
from uh, Southern California, the writer and playwright, Carol Real. I'm not musical. I like music. I listen to music. I appreciate music. But I can't make music. And I don't really understand how it works. But I was thrilled when a small opera company chose a play of mine to adapt to be part of an evening of short operas. Because I love the theatricality and emotion, and I figured opera would be big on both. The play they adapted was a 10-minute piece about a blind date. The theatrical hook of the play is that you see the lead experience her date as she tells her girlfriends about it. She has a part of her date, then she breaks away and talks to her friends, and then she goes back to her date. I flew to Boston to see the Night of Short Operas without having listened to the composer's music or attended any rehearsals. I learned three big lessons. First, I had assumed opera people were snooty. I pictured them with capes, ascots, and pocket squares. <laughs> well, they're not, at least not in the US. Opera people are just damn glad to see you because there aren't enough opera people to go around and they need you to come to their shows and admire their capes and ascots and pocket squares. Second, I was not prepared for what happens when, you, uh, when your characters get to sing your words. Emotion, emotion happens. It was like my characters had been armed just with a penknife and someone gave them cannons and blowtorches. A simple throwaway line where the lead turns uh, to her girlfriends and says, and I'm thinking, shut up and kiss me, just shut up and kiss me, a silly laugh line became a moment where this beautiful young soprano extended her tiny little hand to her unhearing date and sang, shut up and kiss me, just shut up and kiss me. It was at that point that I broke down bawling. At intermission, I turned to a composer sitting next to me and said something like, with music, you feel so much more. <laughs> To which she responded, yes, music heightens emotion. <laughs> which brings me to the third thing I learned, composers. When you're a playwright and you're at one of your shows, you always feel like you're willing the play forward. Even if it's going great, you sit in the back, tense, willing it forward. With opera, that's the composer's job. The composer gets to be too tense to enjoy the piece. The playwright, or librettist, gets to laugh, cry, and have a great time. There was another librettist present for the shows, and she and I were like second graders at, at recess. If we could have run around on roller skates playing patty cake and laughing, we would have. Which is not to say the composer of the piece based on my play was unfriendly. He wasn't. He was a total doll, and he had a great pocket square. I had another lesson in the power of music recently. I have a play running in a one-act festival in New York in a renowned yet small and somewhat dark theater up a couple of flights of stairs, steep stairs. I think you get the scene. After the show, two friends of mine from out of town wanted to go to a venerable piano bar in the theater district. Okay, that couldn't be more unlike the theater where my play had just been performed, but I thought, why not? The, play was the place was filled with a target audience 
gay men and groups of attractive young women looking for a safe place to get blackout drunk. The show was uh, an open mic, emceed by a pro. Between the open micers, he would lead the audience in a sing-along version of tunes everybody knows. And then there were hand gestures. My favorite was the one they sang just before I left. And I dare you to do this with me and not feel uplifted. It's Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. And you know how the chorus goes, Sweet Caroline, ba, ba, ba. Well, the crowd of regulars knew its part, which is the ba, ba, ba. And there are hand motions that go to the ba, 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 and they're, they're like this. And for our listening audience, I would say it's basically overhead jazz, bursts of overhead jazz hands right to left. So it's ba, 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 <laughs> like that. So please do it with me. Sweet Caroline. And doesn't that feel great? Okay, one more time. Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. Again. Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. And I would sing the rest, but I am not musical. Carol Real. Carol Real. Thank you, Carol. From California. All the way from California. Thank you, Barney. Assistant sound engineer, Barney Miller. Thank you, adjusting the microphone for those at home. Um, next up is a young man uh, who grew up in Morningside Heights until he recently moved upstate to go to college. Let me present to you the one and only Oliver Heller. Uh, this is a poem. It's called Guiltlessness. Guiltlessness. You're circumnavigating consciousness, like your eyelids down around your irises. You trust an unnamed gravity to keep you on the globe. Your shoulders are weightless but for your robe. Staying put involves being given things to hold. So you left with your men for morality and gold. The blue was soothing till your men started to sicken. Salt water does blood thicken. You refused to eat or leave the hull, so they left you with this cannibal. You called after the last boat. Don't tell of where I hide. They promised to tell of where you died. Why was this your final stop? Did you see the finished circles crop and know once there you would enter some summation of its center? a knowledge which would bring an end to the insistence that you had no guilt to spend. But home is knowledge too. Closing your eyes won't save darkness come due. I too realize I was mistaken, knowing ignorance will not prevent the breaking of your mind as it circles mine. Tonight, you and the cannibal both will dine. Oliver Heller, thank you very much, Oliver. Uh, this is the Morningside Heights portion of our program, ladies and gentlemen. Currently residing in Morningside Heights, and let me just say Morningside Heights, uh, Duke Ellington, George Gershwin, Barack Obama used to all live there. And today, Mandy Patankin resides in Morningside Heights. They all live you know, all in the same apartment at different times. Um, we're very happy to have 
with us tonight, Willa Cuthrell Tuttleman. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is an excerpt from one of my favorite short stories. It's called Car Crash While Hitchhiking by Dennis Johnson. Before too long, there were cars backed up for a ways at either end of the bridge and headlights giving a night game atmosphere to the street steaming rubble and ambulances and cop cars nudging through so that the air pulsed with color. I didn't talk to anyone. My secret was that in this short while, I had gone from being the president of this tragedy to being a faceless onlooker at a gory wreck. At some point, an officer learned that I was one of the passengers and took my statement. I don't remember any of this except that he told me, put out your cigarette. We paused in our conversation to watch the dying man being loaded into the ambulance. He was still alive, still dreaming obscenely. The blood ran off him in strings. His knees jerked and his head rattled. There was nothing wrong with me, and I hadn't seen anything, but the policeman had to question me and take me to the hospital anyway. The word came over his car radio that the man was now dead, just as we came under the awning of the emergency room entrance. I stood in a tiled cor corridor with my wet sleeping bag bunched against the wall beside me, talking to a man from the local funeral home. The doctor stopped to tell me I'd better have an x-ray. No. Now would be the time, if something turns up later, there's nothing wrong with me. Down the hall came the wife. She was glorious, burning. She didn't know yet that her husband was dead. We knew. That's what gave her such power over us. The doctor took her into a room with the desk at the end of the hall, and from under the closed door, a slab of brilliance radiated as if, by some stupendous process, diamonds were being incinerated in there. What a pair of lungs. She shrieked as I imagined an eagle would shriek. It felt wonderful to be alive to hear it. I've gone looking for that feeling everywhere. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm surprised I let those words out. But it's always been my tendency to lie to doctors as if good health consisted only of the ability to fool them. Some years later, one time when I was admitted to the detox at Seattle General Hospital, I took the same tack. Are you hearing any unusual sounds or voices, the doctor asked. Help us, oh God, it hurts. The boxes of cotton screamed. Not exactly, I said. Not exactly, he said. Now what does that mean? I'm not ready to go into all that, I said. A yellow bird fluttered close to my face and my muscles grabbed. Now I was flopping like a fish. When I squeezed shut my eyes, hot tears exploded from the sockets. When I opened them, I was on my stomach. How did the room get so white, I asked. A beautiful nurse was touching my skin. These are vitamins, she said, and drove the needle in. It was raining. Gigantic ferns leaned over us. The forest drifted down a hill. I could hear a creek rushing down among rocks. And you, you ridiculous people, you expect me to help you. Bella, thank you. Um, and, uh, Last but not least, someone who I think was born in Morningside Heights, but doesn't live there anymore, the one and only Doré. All right, hello, I'm Doré. Uh, this is a song that I wrote this past year, and I'm gonna play it, it's called Last Time.
guess I'm Asian. Pardon my imagination. Pain on my just validation. I don't need a reformation. I don't know why. I don't wanna complicate. I know that you can't relate. Have my head, have my face. I don't wanna be seen anyway. And someone take me far away or somewhere less of deprecating. I don't need to be this way. Don't know why. And it might not be the last anyone has a five-minute emergency and they need to come up here but otherwise uh, Grace is going to help everyone promote things that they want to promote I know that Carol has a play on I know that Barney has two new podcasts I know that Jonah has something to promote but I don't know what it is and anyone else promote whatever you want it's time to promote Grace first of all everybody was fantastic I'm really excited about this whole thing so thanks for being here. Um, so I have three things, and obviously if I get anything wrong or if somebody wants to add something, jump in. 
Jonah P. Has um, his band Play Shoes is performing on June 12th at 7 p.m. at Sunnyvale in Brooklyn. He also has a solo show um, on June 30th at West Beth Community Room on 155 Bank Street. So Artists go see. Oh, what? Artists playing that show. It's called Charlotte's Champ. Oh, cool. Okay, so Barney will also be there. And it's called Charlotte's Jam. Charlotte's Jam. Charlotte's Jam. Um, Speaking of Barney, he has, is producing and hosting a podcast called Mr. Movie Club, which is streaming everywhere except iTunes, um, apparently. Wait, it's coming out when, Barney? June something. June something. Coming June something. Uh, not to iTunes. And you had a second podcast? No, another podcast called uh, Useless Motivation. It's a motivational podcast for people who don't want to be motivated. <laughs> I, I, wish you, I wish we got you saying that. <laughs> My other podcast, which is on iTunes, is called uh, Useless Motivation, and it's a motivational podcast for people who really are sick of motivational podcasts. I'll be tuning into that. Um, lastly, I have, I have Carol. Uh, Carol Real. Uh, the Guard Will Escort You to Rough Rough is playing um, up at the EST Theater from now until June 24th. Is that right? Correct. Amazing. And you want to come say something about it? Uh, it's the guard will escort you to Rough Rough. It's in Series B, Ensemble Studio Theater's marathon of one-act plays. And remaining performances that are not sold out are June 19th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. You can go on to Ensemble Theater, EnsembleStudioTheater.org, and that's theater with an R-E. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong way to Excellent. Thanks, guys. So I just want to thank everyone again for coming. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll do it again soon and everyone come back. And um, everyone was terrific, so thanks a lot. Oh, more promotion. Do you want to self-promote? I don't know if it's like a promotion yet. I'm, Dore, I have, this is Dore. <laughs> this is Dore. Um, I have an album coming out in September on, on everywhere. So that's What's it called and where can we find it? Untitled so far. I haven't gotten that far. Untitled? Oh, it's not called Untitled, but it's so far, it is Untitled. All the usual places. All right, there must be someone else who would like to promote something. Willa, anything to promote? No, I'm a Do you want to promote going to school? Do you, is that, is that, should, stay in school? Stay in school. Okay, Oliver, any, do you like school? Stay in school? You're staying in school? Do what you want, okay. Dick, stay in, Dick is a teacher. He's and, he, and, and a student, and a student. Um, Sophie has one year left. How's it going? Do you want to come up and say something? Definitely not. Okay. Will is actually a musician. And next time we're going to have him do the sound and play music simultaneously. He doesn't want to. Dale, where, where can we see your work? Hopefully soon. When? So hopefully soon? Okay. Maybe right here. <laughs> Okay, thanks everybody for coming. And um, oh, this was produced by Contentment. It's a company that is coming soon. Does not have a website because we're busy, but we're building it. Um, and uh, we're going to do stuff like this and other kinds of content. So if you have a content idea, you know where to bring it. Say it all together, everyone. Contentment. And if you say it really fast, it leads to, it leads you to contentment.
Um, uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that's our new company. And uh, what else did I forget? Anybody else have anything? Grace, do you want to sing? Do you want to sing? Is Grace going to sing? Next time, Grace will sing. Or the time after. Or the time after that. At some point, Grace will sing. I think that's all we got. So um, if you're listening from home, this doesn't apply to you. But everyone else, join us in room number one for wine, cheese, strawberries, beer. Anything else? And dried apricots. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. 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 Yeah.